Hello and welcome to Assertive Radiance. I am your host, Nadia Fleury, and today's episode, How to Deal with Low Self-Worth. Hello and thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate that you are here. Before I go into the topic today, I want to mention that it was quite refreshing to take a well-deserved break. And from now on, or until I change it, I will be releasing a new podcast show every first Wednesday of the month. So the next episode will be released on August 4, 2021. A few weeks ago, I received an email from a young gal who was asking advice on how to deal with low self-worth. After I replied to her, I thought that my answer might actually be beneficial for you. So in this episode today, I am going to share her message and my response. Bear in mind that I did change her identity for privacy. So here's what Blanca asked me. Hi, Nadia. My name is Blanca. And during the quarantine, I connected on social media with a boy I met at my school. I had a crush on him before the pandemic, and while doing some homework together, we started dating via text. The trouble is that he is so handsome and sort of out of my league. Two months ago, he proposed to meet one afternoon on the beach. I wasn't sure I was ready, but I felt that if I said no, he might leave me. So I agreed to meet. But because it was my first time meeting him out of school, I felt safer not to go alone. We both decided to bring someone else along. He brought one of his male friends, and I asked my older sister to come with me. The whole encounter was awkward because my boyfriend and I couldn't find anything to talk about. He is my first serious boyfriend, so it made it extra hard for me. I literally did not know what to say or do. I felt clumsy and shy. My worst nightmare was the fear of losing him, yet I felt like this was too good to be true and didn't deserve him. The truth is that once I saw him, my self-worth melted away into the ocean and everything went wrong after that. Then my sister stole the show. She became the popular one around the fire pit and my boyfriend seems to only have eyes for her. I know it was selfish of me to think that way, but I got jealous. I felt overshadowed by my sister, and it hurt my feelings. I know my sister is prettier than me, and when I saw the three of them all having a good laugh, I just knew in my heart that I wasn't good enough, and he must like my sister more than me. So I recoiled and said nothing all afternoon. The next day I got a call from him and he was saying that we should just stay friends for now. We haven't texted or talked since. It's been two months and I still feel miserable. I cannot stop thinking about him even though I know inside that my chances to be with him are slim to none. My sister told me that it's normal to feel awkward on the first date, and she was making good conversations with the boys to ease the mood. The truth is that I doubt I can ever date again. 
I guess what I'm really struggling with is finding myself. I have lived in my older sister's shadow my whole life, and now I realize it's not who I want to be. But I don't know what or how to change. And I wanted your opinion on that matter. Thank you for reading this. Now, this is my response to Blanca. Hello, Blanca. Thank you so much for reaching out and trusting me with such an important topic on self-worth. First, I want you to realize that very few people have it figured out, especially not as a teenager. Life is about living and experiencing. It's through your life experience that you will develop your self-esteem, self-worth, and build your character Your sister is correct when she says that it is normal the first time you connect with someone you have feeling for to feel awkward and shy. It's the same for most of us. My advice would be to cut yourself some slack. The first step in the recovery is to forgive yourself. If it helps, go somewhere where you will not be disturbed and cry it all out. If you lack privacy in your home, go to a park or a hiking trail. Nature has a way to help you heal your soul. If you go outside, make sure that you bring water as you will need to stay hydrated. Also, tears as well as breathing release toxin that builds up into your body. Please don't be ashamed of your tears and all your feelings. Living is to feel. And I want to add that a lot of the trouble comes when we try to suppress our feelings. It builds inside the body and turns into, as you have experienced, jealousy and disempowerment. It can also create resentment, fear, sadness, etc., depending on the situation. Remember that nature doesn't judge tears any more than the dew on the morning grass. Similar to an apple seed that's about to germinate, tears are essential as they provide the necessary moisture to break open the shell you created around your heart. Allow for the tears to help you blossom in a new way. To ease the pain, keep breathing deep into your belly and don't let the weed of fear and self-doubt occupy your mind. Otherwise, you will never flourish. A theme that keeps coming up as I read your letter is that you make many assumptions. I learned a trick that really helped me sort things out when I do some disempowering self-talk. And you can also use that same trick when you are having a conversation with someone else and someone is saying something that is pretty unkind to you. And it goes this way. I ask myself, is whatever I'm saying right now is a fact, an opinion, or a feeling? When someone says something hurtful to you, you can pause and ask, hey, what are you saying right now? Is it the fact, an opinion, or a feeling? Usually they fall into the opinion or feeling category. And as you have noticed, Opinion don't always mean that it's the truth. They are skewed thoughts depending on the person's state of mind. 
So let's start with your first sentence. The trouble is that he is so handsome and sort of out of my league. Now, I invite you to detach your emotion from the situation, meaning look at where you were when you made that statement, but as if you were a bird observing the event from above. Look at yourself saying these words. He is so handsome and sort of out of my league. And now ask yourself, is this a fact, an opinion, or a feeling? I invite you to do the same with the sentence, I just knew in my heart that I wasn't good enough and he must like my sister more than me. This exercise is to help you see the illusion from the truth. As you must have learned at school, the basic principle of science is a series of cells in our body that are in constant movement. We are at peace inside us when everything is balanced. However, life is about experiencing and exploring the great unknown. Depending on what happens, your body will either react or respond, sending a series of signals in the form of hormones and enzymes throughout your body. Every new situation causes the body, mind and soul to change and adapt. It's how we grow. The human body is designed to withstand unimaginable things, many of which I wish no human, especially small children, would have to endure. However, the truth is that it's adversity that makes us grow. We grow through pain. Think of it for a moment. If we did not need food or the restroom or shelter over our head, what would be our incentive to get up in the morning? We, humans, are designed to move about, explore, and learn through our feelings and experiences. As we grow, our pain tolerance grows too, but it has limits. These limits cause a reaction of some kind, like getting mad, sad, glad, or startled. Imagine you are in a kitchen and you soak one of your hands in the freezing cold water and the other one in boiling water. Both hands will scream pain, but not for the same reason. Our life purpose is to discover what is comfortable or what makes us happy. Everyone has their preferences, and it's these preferences that makes two people connect. The trouble is that our ancestors have been taught through fear, not to express their emotions, to lay low, and not to cause any problem. And these obligations to fit the norm have been passed down from generation to generation. When we are born, we learn to model our family's dynamic. We accept that their behavior is normal when, in fact, they are often dysfunctional and they pass their pain and sufferance to their offspring. In short, we learn to live with our hands in boiling or freezing water and believe that it's how it ought to be. As time goes by, we don't necessarily feel good inside. But we believe living in pain is normal and we suck it up. To feel better, we learn to suppress how we feel inside by looking for something to numb the pain, 
We say something like, I'm not feeling good, but I'm going to go shopping. It will change my mind and it will make me feel better. It can be shopping, video games, drinking, gambling, or bury yourself in activities that will distract you from looking at what is causing you the real pain. Sometimes it's not our pain we internalize, it's our parents' pain. The idea here is to observe your family dynamic without judgment as we are all part of the same ecosystem. We are all trying to figure ourselves out, including our parents and relatives. I believe that the universe sends people in our life to help us see who we are and help us grow. The people who trigger us the most are our true teachers. In your case, God has sent you a handsome young man who you grew emotionally attached. And when you met each other, a lot of hidden emotion resurfaced. In a way, and I know it won't be easy for you to see the blessing within your first dating fiasco. However, from my perspective, it's actually great news. Think of it. You are now aware that something in your life is not balanced and you are taking action to rectify the situation. Give yourself credit for listening to your inner wisdom. I also believe that the insecurity you've experienced with this young man has nothing to do with him. He is mirroring your reality. He may have also felt awkward. Often, we girls think that boys or men must know what to do, and some men perhaps do know. However, I believe that many men are just as clueless as we are. The idea is to go with the flow while being honest. A sentence like, hey, this is my first time and I'm super nervous, can open a conversation where he can add, yeah, me too, I'm nervous, let's take it slow and easy. Often what goes wrong or what appeared to have gone wrong is when we create a script of the future event and when nothing goes to plan, we feel out of control. That's when our mind starts focusing on what else will go wrong instead of enjoying the moment. Before I address my thoughts about your relationship with your sister, I want to commend you for asking your sister to accompany you. Regardless of what took place, it was a wise move for your safety. I'm also glad that you met this young man during the day. I know life is all about exploring. However, I admire that you had enough common sense to protect yourself. I call this taking calculated risk. Now let's talk about the feeling of jealousy you've experienced when your sister got all the attention. The jealousy, in this case, derived from anger. She took the spot you must have been dreaming about for months, and I'm sure it must have been infuriating. However, assuming your sister's behavior was worth modeling, she showed you how to engage with new friends. Looking at it from another angle, it could be that the boys may have been shy too and chose to focus their attention on your sister to hide their embarrassment. 
If you felt awkward, your then boyfriend may have felt your vibe, making him feel uncomfortable too. Or sensing how you felt, he may have wanted to give you space. Perhaps your sister could have discreetly brought you back into the conversation by simply asking you, Hey, Blanca, what's your opinion on this? Or perhaps she knows you and tried to avoid putting you on the spot. Only you can tell. There could be over 20 ways to explain what happened, but the most important is what the whole experience taught you. Note what your sister talked about. What was her body posture, her hand gesture? Body language speaks louder than words. Was she smiling a lot? looking in their eyes rather than looking down. These body language are really important because it guides men as to know what to do next. And by the way, a genuine radiant smile opened a man's heart hundredfold. I know that some people are more forthcoming than others. Remember though that nobody is great the first time around. So don't assume this is the end of your dating life. Start where there's less emotional entanglement to practice conversing with stranger, like in a store where you could ask a male stranger for help when something is too high to reach or too heavy to lift. The worst he can say is no. Usually, though, men love helping a lady as it's their real purpose in life. In doing so, you get to spread joy while practicing so that you can be ready when it matters. As another side note, to be at ease with others is a skill that will come in handy for you for the rest of your life in love and in business. You will soon realize that dating is similar to promoting your skills, either in a job interview or discussing things with your superiors. I know your generation tends to hide behind text messaging. Therefore, learning and mastering the skill of interacting face-to-face -face will help you forever. Now, let's address how a person develops low self-worth. We lose our self-worth when we experience, at a young age, a traumatic event that triggers a highly emotional state. At that moment, we make a decision, sometimes unconscious. The trouble is that these events often occur when we are young and the mind cannot comprehend or see the big picture. Many people struggle throughout their life with a lack of self-esteem and self-confidence because they were humiliated while being punished or abused. Then they were told not to say anything. Otherwise, they would get worse next time. Or they were told that it was their fault. They deserved what happened to them. When these traumatic events occurred, we take into our heart the idea that we are flawed, not good enough, or, or should be ashamed of ourselves, and therefore we do not deserve good things in life. That's when we make decisions like, in order to stay alive, and not experience more pain, I must not speak, I must obey. These decisions get buried 
in the unconscious and alter our ability to achieve life fulfillment. Imagine this scenario where Mary, as a young child, experienced physical abuse while her father was drunk. As he was hitting Mary, he was screaming that she was a bad girl. Then feeling guilty for hitting his child, he tells Mary that it was her fault that she was too loud and pushed his buttons. To make sure Mary's mother doesn't know about it, he tells Mary not to say anything, otherwise she would get worse punishment the next day. Mary takes many unconscious decisions. I'm a bad girl. My dad doesn't love me. I can't speak to my mom. I must be quiet, otherwise I will be punished. Then she forgets about these events and moves on. But the unconscious mind still remembers. Later on in life, Mary is shy, reserved, and fear authority. Then she meets Bob. Bob has also experienced some trauma. In his case, every time he did something wrong, his mom gave him the silent treatment. In his case, to survive, he felt he must be loud to make sure he's heard. Both Mary and Bob are not conscious of their childhood trauma and how it affects their life. Nevertheless, they love each other and move together. At one point, Bob gets frustrated because Mary didn't put enough sugar in his coffee. It wasn't such a big deal for him, but he says loudly, Hey, Mary, there's not enough sugar in my coffee. The loudness of his voice triggers Mary's fear of authority. The little child inside her says, Uh-oh, my life is in danger. I'm a bad girl. I must not speak. The adult Mary brings the sugar and somewhat murmured, uh, I'm sorry, and makes herself small and quiet. A few hours later, Bob realizes Mary's silence. And now his little boy says, Uh-oh, my life is in danger. I must be loud. And he goes to find Mary and yells, Why aren't you talking to me? Are you mad at me? To cope with this situation, Mary pretends all is well and finds something to distract her, to numb the pain. This cycle will continue until they can no longer stand the emotional entanglement and separate, or do something to solve the problem. Solving a low self-worth problem requires unraveling the experience, working backwards until you discover the exact decision you made and then change it. It's called redecision work. To be effective, it requires, again, a highly emotionalized state, very similar to falling in love, to shift the old decision permanently. Many do require the help of a professional because the dysfunction appears normal. All we know is that we are not happy, but we don't know why. To truly live in a state of joy and bliss and regain our self-worth requires vulnerability, courage, and patience to melt away the shell we created that protects us from the pain. That same shell also prevents us from feeling joyful, happy, and confident. Going at a source in the heart also means having to face that traumatic experience again. 
we must be willing to clean the wound first before we can heal. Since I'm not a psychiatrist nor a psychologist, this is as far as I can guide you. Bear in mind that to find yourself is part of your life purpose, so be patient. Another thing I want to add, earlier I mentioned about chemistry. And as you know, an atom is composed of an electron, a proton, and a neutron. The electron is negative and the proton is positive. Everything in the universe is either negative or positive. And it's the same with your thoughts. They will either be positive or negative. Usually, the ego, created by false beliefs mixed with childhood traumas and fears, wants us to feel separated from God and feel bad with ourselves and the world. That's when we are going around with our hands in boiling water. In this state, it's impossible to make anyone else around you feel happy because you are not happy. The pain is nature's way to tell us something is out of balance. It wakes us up to reality. The higher self lives in love, joy, bliss, and abundance. In this state of mind, you feel whole and happy and you love yourself. So when people have some negative remarks about you, you don't really care because you've learned to love and accept yourself the way you are. You learn to laugh it off and say, you know what? Everything is perfect. Everything keeps improving. You see all life incident as chemistry experiment. And when something bad happens, you look for the seed of an equivalent benefit. Usually that's where the learning is. Also, to help you figure out the root cause of your negative self-talk, use the love energy that you have towards this young man and channel it into journaling your childhood memories. It may take months or years before any breakthrough occur. However, it's worth persevering because what's on the other side is bliss and pure, unconditional self-love. And lastly, trust that God and the universe are on your side. And when the time is right, you will meet the man who's meant to be with you by divine right. I hope this message was informative and useful. If you feel that it can help a friend, please share it. And please stay safe and let's chat in a month from now. Talk to you soon. Bye.